0: Welcome to Episode 6 of the Unconventional Polyglot. I'm Will, and in this episode, I am going to talk about some of the disadvantages to learning multiple languages simultaneously. This is the Unconventional Polyglot, a podcast that explores languages and language learning from someone who has followed and also broken, many of the conventional rules for how to learn languages. I'm your host, Will, and language learning is my passion. Now before I get going in this episode, I do want to say a few words about Buzzsprout. If you happen to be starting your own podcast or want to start your own podcast, and don't really know how to get it distributed, how to make it available so that everybody around the world can listen to it, then check out Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout makes the process of publishing your podcast super easy. Getting your podcast listed in every major podcast platform is a piece of cake with Buzzsprout. Over a 100,000 podcasters are already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. And if you follow the link in the show notes for this episode... That will let Buzzsprout know that I sent you and you will get a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan. And that helps support my show. Now back to today's episode. So in the previous episode, I talked about some of the advantages to learning multiple languages simultaneously. Now, of course, there are also potential disadvantages. So that's what I want to address in this episode. Disadvantage number one is that it generally takes longer to learn any one particular language when you're also learning other languages at the same time. However, as I mentioned in the last episode, for a given length of time, you will be able to know more languages if you study them simultaneously than if you simply study them sequentially, one at a time. So if you are... Not in such a rush (laughs) and, uh, are fairly patient with the process. The end results can be tremendous learning languages simultaneously. However, if you're in a situation where maybe you're moving to another country in six months or you're going to go on a big vacation somewhere and you really want to know as much as you can about one particular language quickly, then learning multiple languages simultaneously is probably going to be a terrible idea. So the multiple languages simultaneously approach is mainly for people who are not in a rush to learn any one particular language. Now, disadvantage number two is that it can be hard to find enough time in the day to study all the languages that you want to study, particularly as you get later on in the process where you've hit the intermediate stage or the second stage in my unconventional polyglot multiple language acquisition method, it can be hard to find enough time to study all these languages. And that's one reason why when it comes to secondary target languages, so the the languages where you are actively trying to speak, trying to produce output, trying to improve all aspects of your language learning, I definitely recommend only having two secondary target languages at a time. As I mentioned previously, I currently have four, and that is a major undertaking, which... Fortunately, I have a lot of free time available most days, so I'm able to do it, but if you don't have hours and hours every day to devote to language learning, then it's probably going to be very difficult for you to have more than two secondary target languages. The primary target languages, you can have generally more of those because you're probably spending a lot less time on those, and it's often a lot easier to find 5, 10, 15 minutes to just quickly study a, a secondary language during the day than it is to devote, say, an hour or two hours to a primary target language. Okay, now disadvantage number three, and in some ways this may be the most important one, is that when studying multiple similar languages simultaneously, for example, Spanish and Portuguese, or Spanish and Italian, or German and Dutch, or say Mandarin and Cantonese. Mixing up similar languages is pretty much inevitable. It's almost certainly going to happen. It's happened to me a bunch of times. One example that comes to mind is a potential mix-up between Italian and Spanish. So, these are two closely related Romance languages. And one mistake that I've made in the past is in the use of the words for different in Italian and Spanish. So in Italian, different is diverso, diversa, depending on gender. And in Spanish, it's diferente. One mistake that I have made in the past is in trying to say that there are many different things in Italian. One time I said, ci sono molte cose differente, using the Spanish word for different <laughs> instead of Italian. So it should be, ci sono molte cose diverse. Another example is if you are studying simultaneously Spanish and Portuguese, you will find a lot of parallel grammatical structures. You will find a lot of vocabulary That is similar. Sometimes you will encounter false friends, but often there will be words that are either identical in spelling, maybe a little bit different in pronunciation, or similar. And this can create a lot of problems. And certainly, I've had numerous instances when I was speaking Spanish and I inserted. Uh, words in Portuguese or vice versa. But one thing that you will notice with time is that there are very particular trends or very particular qualities that differ between the languages. Just a couple quick examples. In Portuguese, when you have verbs conjugated, the conjugated verbs will often be more compact in Portuguese than the corresponding ones in Spanish. So, for example, to have in Spanish is tener, whereas in Portuguese it's ter, shorter, one syllable, versus two for Spanish. And similarly, the the conjugations are correspondingly shorter for the most part in Portuguese. For example, he has would be el tiene, in Spanish, and el tem, in Portuguese, shorter. They have would be ellos tienen, in Spanish, whereas in Portuguese it would be el time. Again, it's kind of one syllable, <laughs> it's definitely shorter. Similarly, the word for wind, in Spanish it's viento, whereas in Portuguese it's vento, shorter. Another example that you very quickly get used to is the correspondence between particular suffixes in Spanish versus Portuguese. For example, words that end with t-i-o-n in English. For example, organization, situation, realization. In Spanish, these words typically end with C-I-O-N, or C-I-O-accented, N. For example, organização, situação, realização. Whereas in Portuguese, these words will typically end with C, with a cedilla, A, with a nasal accent, O, or são. Organização, situação, realização. So just a few examples of relationships, similarities, differences that you encounter. And from my experience, I've definitely had a lot of mix-ups between languages. But over time, those mix-ups have become more and more rare. The more each language gets solidified in your mind, the less likely you are to make these kind of mistakes. Again, it kind of goes back to patience. If you're patient enough to work through the mistakes, they will eventually disappear. Okay, now point four, disadvantage four, is that one thing that language learners will often do, particularly once they've reached like an intermediate level, is change the language on their cell phone or on their laptop. So if you're studying several languages, that may be very inconvenient because then you kind of have to pick one language or maybe one language for your laptop, one language for your cell phone. The way I approach learning multiple languages, this really isn't much of an issue because because I would not try to do this for any language where I wasn't at least at an intermediate level. So in other words, I would only do this for what are my primary target languages. So what I have done in the past is have my cell phone in one of my primary target languages and then my laptop in my other primary target language. And that works out fine, unless there are other people in your house who may need to use your computer and maybe don't, <laughs> uh, don't speak these languages, uh, don't know these languages. Uh, that could get them, uh, very frustrated with you very fast, but (laughs) that's just one of those uh, things that that could happen (laughs) depending on your uh, home situation. Okay, now disadvantage five has to do with cost. The more languages you are trying to learn, the more materials you will probably want to have on hand for language learning. Now, as far as apps go this really isn't too much of an issue because most of the popular language learning apps out there just have one set cost, or some of them you can use for free. Other ones have one set cost for any number of languages that you might want to learn. So that can be very cost-effective. Similarly, if you're using YouTube channels, well, YouTube is essentially free, unless you get one of their Premium services. So really the, the only place that I have found where costs can, can really add up is in books. Usually I like to have maybe one textbook. And then once I kind of get up to around an intermediate level, I like to start reading graded readers. So reading short stories and eventually novels in my target languages. So that can potentially get expensive. However, when it when it comes to textbooks, you don't necessarily have to have a physical textbook or even a, a book on Kindle. You can generally find plenty of material on websites that will com- compensate for whatever you would find in, say, a grammar textbook. And also, when it comes to short stories, graded readers, novels, I usually find that these materials on Kindle are not very expensive. For whatever reason, graded readers in a lot of different languages tend to be pretty cheap on Kindle. And in a number of future episodes of this podcast, I will go over a bunch of different recommendations based on books that I have used personally while learning different languages. Okay, so that's it for today. I really hope you've enjoyed this episode. And if you want to reach out to me to give me any any comments, criticisms, encouragement, whatever you happen to have, you can contact me at unconventionalpolyglot at gmail.com. And as always, thanks for listening and hopefully... You will tune in to the next episode of the Unconventional Polyglot. I'm Will. Bye.